0: Who terrorised a female staff member and an Albion? plane crashed into the sea off the Belarus country in the Western Hemisphere, denuded, devastated by another natural disaster. It becomes a tropical storm and is in given UK, the name Investigators the have started removing parts of the wreckage of Flight MH17 four months after the plane was shot Recycles, down. Recycles drums containing toxic waste. effects of a six-point. Item. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. Well, good morning and welcome to New Hope Baptist Church. My name is Alan and it's my privilege to teach this morning. We are in a series entitled God in the Mess. And we're reflecting on this marvelous truth that God does not leave the world in its need, He isn't disinterested and distant and forgetful. He's present in the mess. He is with us. But he can be very hard to understand sometimes. Can't he? God can be difficult to know and to discern and to figure out what he's up to. I want to talk this morning about knowing God and knowing him deeply. Come to think of it, People are hard to know, aren't they? People are just plain difficult to figure out. You meet somebody new somewhere in your workspace or at a party, and you, you, you start to try to work them out. Who, who, who are they? How should I respond? What should I say? Oh, why did they say that when I did that? And, and you try to think it through. People who you've known for a long, long time aren't necessarily any easier. It's different, but it's not easy. People are really hard to know. I want you to play a thought experiment with me for just a moment. Take somebody that you know really well and stand them before you in your imagination. Might be someone in your workspace. Someone that you wish you could know them. Might be a parenting experience. There might be a teen that you want to set in front of yourself this morning and imagine, how do you know them? Might be a business context, might be an employee, or a fellow student, or a professor, or someone that you you wish you could know. Understand, figure out, what do you do? What do you do when you're trying to know somebody? You size them up. You reflect on, what did they just say? What did that mean? What did they do? What have they done? And what did they do before that? And what did they do before that? And where is that leading us? And you apply your very best psychology. What should I say so that they will say, so that they will do? You apply your very best intellect. And the harder you try, sometimes, the more you can feel, I do not know them. I want you to play an intellectual Uh, imaginative game with me for just a moment. And for this, you need to plug your imagination in, turn it on, and switch the volume up very loud, because I'm going to push you in your imagination. I want you to imagine that you're standing in front of that person that you know very well. You are striving, struggling to know them. You'd like to understand. You've applied your best psychology. You've applied your best science. You've applied your best self and your most deep thinking. And then something unbelievable happens that person that you are seeking to know reaches into themselves and takes a little bit of their spirit, a little bit of their inner self, a little bit of the dialogue in their head, a little bit of the truest of who they are, and they insert it into you. And so suddenly you're standing there in front of this person that you would like to know and you've got a little bit of their spirit in you And something wakes up and you say, oh my goodness, is that what you're thinking? Who you are, how you see it? My goodness sake. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be lovely if your children could put a little of their spirit inside of you? Wouldn't it be lovely if your spouse could put a little of the conversation in his head or her head into your head? Wouldn't it be an incredible thing if somehow we could take what is deeply, most truly ourselves and put it into somebody else that we are seeking to connect with. Paul says that this is what God does. This is what it is like to have the mind of Christ, to be mature and maturing as a follower of Jesus. It is miracle. It is mystery. It is astonishing. Why you'd hardly dare believe it. Let me read to you from from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning to have a changed mind, to have a new mind, to have the mind of Christ. Because we live in a world that's in a mess. God is in this mess. But we need followers who can discern what God is up to in this mess, who can see God and declare God and speak for God and in a whole range of ways serve God and His kingdom purposes. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is mind-blowing. This is beyond the boundaries of our imaginations. This is how God wants to deal with His children. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'll start to read at verse 6. Paul's been talking about worldly wisdom, and then he says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understand it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught, spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but God, but, uh, uh, the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person who has the Spirit, the person with the Spirit, makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's a lot in that passage. And it's convoluted. And it's full of beautiful imagery. And at the center of it is this incredible picture, this incredible metaphor. Wouldn't it be awesome if your, if your close friend could put some of their spirit into you? And Paul says, that is what God has done. Michael's going to bring me two stools here. And uh, I I want us to think about the two postures in this passage. Thanks very much, Michael. Thanks very much. Uh, This yellow, humble, small stool, and this red, high, and mighty stool, will represent the two uh, approaches that Paul is naming in this passage. And Paul says, I'm over here on this yellow, humble stool. He says, and I speak and preach and teach to you Corinthians, who are in a mess, by the way, the wisdom of God. You're in a mess. You're fighting about, about, you know, who should lead the church and how things should be done and, 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 you know, what matters. And you're on the wrong track, focused on the wrong things because you tend to be wanting leadership that sits in this chair. This is the chair of worldly wisdom, we'll call it. That's the chair of spiritual wisdom, we'll call it. This is the chair that thinks with the best psychology available, the best statistical analysis. This is the chair that applies its very best wisdom. And Paul says, it's the chair where the rulers of this world sit and get it wrong so often. The rulers of this world that are coming to nothing, he says. And it's where people who are immature in their thinking and are bound to the framework of this world, sit. There was in science, back in the 1800s, an approach to try and figure out, you know, people's capacities and developmental abilities by measuring all the various features of their physique. So we'd come and measure the distance between uh, your eyes and the length of your earlobes and the width of your forehead, and we'd make some deep judgments about your racial connections and your intellectual capacities and your future determination. God help you if your earlobes weren't measured right, because we'd box you into a particular box, and that would be the end of you and your capacity. We tried to know one another by measuring the physique, by looking at the external, by looking at the empirical. We all know there's more to us than that, so much more to that. And we don't want to be measured, we don't want to be boxed up, We don't want to be held in that way. We want to be known. We want to be known as we know ourselves. We want to be experienced, we want, and yet in this world we are so cut off from each other. It is one of of the strange things of being a human being on planet Earth. We know each other, but we don't. We're we're disconnected in some profound and deep ways. And Paul, sitting over here in this chair of wisdom, says there's going to come a day when we will know as we are known, when we won't see through a glass darkly, when we won't have a distance, where we will actually connect in profound, amazing ways. How do I know that? Because God has put some of his spirit into me, says Paul. But if you're sitting over here in this chair, that's going to sound like a lot of foolishness to you. That's going to sound like a lot of rubbish because how can that possibly happen? My wife's never put any of her spirit into me it would be great if she would. I've never been able to put any of my spirit into my kids in a way that ended the conversation, shut down the argument, finished the debate. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, you think so? Have a little of this. Boom, we're done. Oh, that we could, that we could be revealed to each other in that way. It is such an astonishing foreign concept that we find it hard to walk to this chair and sit in this place and believe that the God of all creation has done just that. And that is the claim. That is the wonder of what Paul is communicating. He calls this having the mind of Christ. He calls it the maturing stance in following Jesus. Where we welcome the very Spirit of God into our lives, such that we receive something of God's ancient purposes and His unfolding plan. And we can see it, we can get it, and we can make judgments, He says, in this world, in our lives that align with Him. What does it mean to sit in this chair? Paul's writing to the Corinthians, by the way, and he's saying to them, you're kind of sitting in that chair, you need to be in this one. He, he's saying to them, you're, you're kind of you're acting immature and worldly, and you're not, you need to act out of this posture. What's it mean to sit in this chair? Well, it means that you, you have an understanding of God's ancient purposes and his unfolding plan. Let me show you those two things from the text. He says in verse 7, we declare God's wisdom... Destined for our glory before time began. We declare God's wisdom. He says it's a mystery. He says it's been hidden. He says that God destined it. We declare God's wisdom for our glory before time began. He's saying an astonishing thing. He's saying we're in touch with God's ancient purposes. We, being himself, and Cephas, and and, and, and Apollos, uh, and, 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 and those who are apostles, and all those who are maturing in the faith, those who are open to God's Spirit living in them. He says, we, we understand something of the deep and eternal and ancient purposes of God. H- how is this so? Because we've seen what God is doing in Jesus, and God has put His Spirit in us, And we can see through this now how it relates to Abraham, how that relates to uh, Moses, how that relates to Noah, how that relates to Adam, how it relates to God's ancient purposes. Do you know what God's been on about all the time? Blessing human beings, coming to, to overwhelm us with his love, draw us into a relationship with himself at any cost. It's his ancient purpose. It's his eternal plan, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Why are you arguing about whose sermon was better this week, Paul says to the Corinthians? Why are you having a debate over whether Cephas, you know, or, or, or Paulus, or Apollos? Or, or, or Stop it! You need to be in tune with the ancient. The world's in a mess. People need to, need to point God out, not argue about preachers and who's the best. The, the, the world needs you to receive God's spirit and to get in touch with God's ancient purpose and his unfolding plan. Listen to this. He says in verses 9 to 10, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, doesn't matter how high you turn your imagination, this is beyond it. The things God has prepared for those who love him These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit, even the deep things of God. Let that settle on your heart for a moment or two. It's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The very best things that no mind could imagine, uh, uh, that we couldn't even dream of, that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God wants to show those who, who see Jesus, receive his spirit, begin to understand these deep things of God. God has an ancient purpose and an unfolding plan. And you can can get in tune with that ancient purpose and that unfolding plan. You, you, You can actually have a sense in your own heart and spirit of the good things God wants for the neighborhood in which you are for the family in which you find yourself, for the people who are around you. You can begin to, to have a... a, a, a well, let me read it again. Let me read it again. What no eye has seen. You look at your family and you think, Oh, my goodness. What no eye has seen. And, and, and it says, What no ear has heard. And it says, What no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love Him These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit, even the deep things of God. This this, this knowing what God has for those who are turning to Him, what God has for those who are are in in the presence of our witness and, and our declaration of His promise and love, this is an amazing way to live. Now, just imagine for a moment, just step back for a moment. The world's a mess, God is in the mess. And God calls his followers to be people who understand his ancient purpose, who witness his unfolding plans, and who make judgments, who have something to say, who can offer insight and wisdom, who can speak with hope and promise, who can be useful in the world. Let me show you that. It's in verse 15. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things And such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. People are sitting in this chair making all kinds of judgments. All kinds of judgments. Has anybody sat in this chair and judged you? All kinds of judgments. Based on statistics. How old are you? What year were you born in? I'll tell you all about yourself. There's a whole statistical study that puts us in boxes. You know, from beginners to booming. And and, and here we are all analyzed and I'll tell you who you are there's a whole industry that determines who's going to vote which way what's going to happen all kinds of worldly wisdom and Paul says that the rulers of this world and the foolishness of this chair is passing away and blinds us because it looks at the mess and it can't see God and it can't find hope and it loses its voice which I hope not to do This chair is lowly. This chair, from a worldly perspective, doesn't look as grand. We like it when people sit high. We want a certain kind of, you know, respect. But Paul says, Paul says there is a way of living in this world. If you look at Christ and him crucified, and you attend to God, he will put some of his spirit in you. Is that not awesome? Is that not incredible? He will put some of the conversation in his heart in your head. He will put some of the story of his purpose in the world in your life so that you will have a new narrative out of which to live and an inner nudging of his spirit to prompt you. And you can be useful in this world. This world is in a mess. And lots of people are sitting in high chairs trying to figure out how to solve it. And Paul says, the leaders of this world are coming to nothing. He says, and what I'm about to tell you will sound absolute foolishness if you want to sit in that chair. But what I'm telling you is that God is in the world. He is in the mess. And he is making himself known. And from ancient times, he has had a purpose to bless and to to, to rescue us out of our failure. And forgive us of our sins. And set us on a course of blessing. And and that plan is unfolding even now. It's unfolding in Jesus Christ. And there is deep and ancient and awesome wisdom there. I know you can look at it and think, what is going on there? Keep looking. Keep studying. Ask God to show you. Ask God to put some of his spirit in you. And you will see his ancient purposes, his unfolding plans in, in incredible ways. Now, the problem is you'll talk to people all the time in your day who are sitting over there, and they'll say, you're foolish. And so you will need to say, maybe I am to you, but I am chasing the presence of God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, judge of all things in our world. This world is a mess, and God is here. Praise his holy name. And he has incredible plans for those who love him, things no one's seen, no one's heard. You can't even imagine and those things he is, he is showing to his children such that we can live usefully in this world and make judgments. What does that mean? I don't think it means that we march into other people's business and we pontificate and we become judge and jury for everybody's. Life. I don't think it means that at all. I think it means that we can say and do and be useful things, useful actions. Useful lives. We, 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 can, we can be discerning. We, we can be useful. That person that you've set in your imagination that you know really well, imagine if you could be that useful to them. Imagine if there was a way that you could, you could stop reacting to them and actually engage with them with a kind of, well, I have no other word for it, a supernatural knowing. And, and, and you could kind of be present to them, knowing their ancient story and their unfolding plan. And you, you could make like really good judgments as you acted, as you spoke, as you behaved. That's the world that God dreamed. It's called shalom, it's called the kingdom, it's called new hope, it's called a new heaven and a new earth. I know it's unbelievable. You've got to sit pretty low and you've got to ask God to put his spirit in you. To see that ancient wisdom, his purposes from before time began. To see that unfolding story in the love of Jesus on the cross. In the wonder of the mission of the church. And to make critical and useful and valuable interventions involvements, judgments in the world. The world's in a mess, yeah? And it touches all of us. And our lives experience it. But God is in that mess. And he wants us to see it. And to know it and to be comforted by it and to celebrate it. He wants that so much that he will do what is unimaginable. He will put some of his spirit in us. So that we can see his ancient purposes, his unfolding plan, and live a new life. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have the mind of Christ? I know it's easy to think, wow, that is awesome, high-minded stuff. That's for apostles in the first century, and the rest of us, I don't know. No, no, this theme is all the way through the scriptures. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says to that church, when you heard about Christ, you were taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. He says to the Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And to the Philippians, he says, have the same mindset, the same thinking as Jesus Christ. This this is a posture that we are invited to. It is a maturity that we are called to. And I want to invite you this morning to have courage not to move too quickly to this chair and dismiss it all. Because from this point of view, it's foolishness. It's sheer foolishness. And Paul says, it's truth. It's amazing truth. Lean into it and welcome it. How do you get this? How how do you have the mind of Christ? Well, you look at Christ. You study his story. You read his narrative in the Gospels. You pray. You ask to understand and you invite God's Spirit. God puts His Spirit into those who love Him. Those who are leaning forward. Those who are wanting to know Him. Those who are seeking Him. There's a whole lot of people in this world, you don't know at all. You don't even lean towards or try to know. And if God is one of those, He won't put His Spirit into you. But if you want to know Him, He will. And you start with Jesus. Paul says, we came to you in Corinth and we just preached Jesus. We just preached Jesus and him crucified because we know that's the starting place. We know that that's where you will gain an entrance into all of this. And it it will cause you to pursue and want to know God and want to see him in the mess and want to know what he's up to and want to find him. And as you lean forward and you ask, God will give you the gift of the Spirit as you believe on his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise of Scripture. And with that gift comes this amazing way of being in the world. A new story about what it's all about and where it's going. There's a story every day in the newspaper and another one uh, on the television and another one in, on Twitter. And, and every, every, There's always a story, but where it's all going and God is an eternal story. And you'll get to know it and live in it. And that spirit who will live in you will nudge you and prompt you. And, and speak with you and lead you in this mess. And you will be a servant of God in the mess for his high purposes and his eternal promises. Come, says Paul, come to all the Corinthians, to all the New Hopers, to everyone. He says, come and sit with me here. It's a low place, but it's an awesome place. Would you have the mind of Christ? Let me pray with us. God, help us this morning to to imagine the unimaginable and to receive the unthinkable As we wait on you, as we open our hearts and pray and open our lives and discern, as we look to Jesus and see this moment at which you disclosed yourself profoundly, as we lean towards you and welcome your very spirit, your very life in us. God, we pray for greater things. We pray that as we live in the mess of 2017, we pray that we would know that God is in the mess. And We pray that we would know your ancient purposes and your unfolding story and that we would know them because your spirit is in us and we would be living with a difference. Lord, help us. Help us to be different people in our families and in our places of engagement with all the people we know and help us, Lord, to function as those who are mature in Christ and have the very mind of Christ. Lord, this is wonder. This is beauty. This is marvel. We long for it, that we might be your people in the mess to the glory of God. In Jesus Christ we pray, amen.